Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have a former channeler, Louise Kay. And Louise began channeling and traveling around the world, sharing her gift of channeling for several years. But after she became more and more connected with the non-dual truth, her channeling started to fade away and open up to a new way of expressing herself and the message she has to bring to the world. I have to tell you that this conversation was profound to say the least and i think you will get a lot out of it so let's dive in i'd like to welcome to the show louise k how you doing louise hi thank you alex i'm doing great thank you so much for coming on the show i'm excited to talk to you thank you for inviting me i'm really happy to be here and i'm excited to talk with you too absolutely so uh, I found you. I found your work that you were doing uh, years ago in regards to your channeling with Akon and and what you were doing back then. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what your life was like prior to you being aware or of your abilities or or having access to your abilities. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I had a pretty average childhood growing up. The only thing that maybe was a little bit different was that I was ultra sensitive, like way more than other children. So I was very sensitive to energies and feeling people's emotions. And my system has always been kind of uh, energy and and feeling oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was nothing too unusual Um, when I got into my early 20s, I started to experience these questions coming up, like, what is the meaning of all this? What is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? Where do we come from? These big questions, you know, and somehow I wasn't able to just like go along with the day-to-day life like most people and something inside wanted answers, wanted to know who is their God? What's God? Who is God? I want to know it for myself. So that those questions kind of ignited a search. And 
I came across a book which really changed my life. I mean, the name of the book is The Power of Now. It's very famous. Most people know it by Eckhart Tolle. And so I read that book and it, it really resonated. Every single word resonated so deeply in my heart. I, and that was the first time reading that book that I became aware that I was able to observe thoughts. So it created some distance, some space in my system where I was observing the thoughts and seeing that I'm not identified with them. There's some space there. And I also became aware of, more consciously aware of energies in the body and, and the capacity to feel them because Eckhart talks about that in his book. So I think that was the first real shift in consciousness that happened through reading that book. And so then when did you discover your abilities to channel when you were channeling? Um, well, as I began to meditate more and open to those teachings of living in the present moment, and I, the sensitivity to energy became enhanced. So I would start then to see energies or even to see non-physical beings which was a little bit frightening in the beginning yeah i can imagine um, yes because my brain couldn't really make any sense of it because i've been conditioned that this is what reality is and all of a sudden my experience of reality was something different than that so there was this kind of mismatch and it it took my mind a little bit of time to kind of align with this understanding that this physical reality is actually limited and there's more here than what we as a society believe reality to be so that started to open up and um, I was following more and more these teachings of living in presence and not identifying with the, the thoughts or the sense of a conceptual self. And at one point, there was a clear, distinct shift which took place whereby it seemed like that whole conceptual sense of I collapsed. And in that moment of collapse of a conceptual separate self, what revealed itself to me was the deeper truth of who I am, which was pure awareness, just pure awareness, no thoughts, no identity, just being. And that awareness, it was clear that that is only one. It's the underlying essence of all expressions of physical form. So the forms appear to be separate and different and individual, but underlying that, this oneness, there is no separation. And that realization brought with it a deep sense of peace and fulfillment. And it was shortly after that, that the gift of channeling started to spontaneously come through the system. I wasn't trying to channel. It, 
it just spontaneously happened during a meditation. Now, I have to ask you, though, I mean, you were saying a little bit, it had to be jarring uh, to see the reality, different realities than the rest of us are able to see. I've had other guests on the show that obviously can see ghosts and angels and, and other entities and spirit guides and things like that. How did you psychologically deal with not only that, but channeling and just, you know, as a human being who's, I, I'm assuming you didn't grow up with this. So it wasn't something known to you. How did you deal with it? Yeah, you would expect that to be a jarring experience to suddenly perceive reality in a whole different way. But actually, when it happened, it felt so natural. It felt like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. This is what on some level I knew was the reality all along. And so it was the opposite of jarring, actually. It felt like coming home. It felt like, oh, I'm just so grateful to to have discovered this truth. And for the first few weeks after that, reality did feel a little bit blurry. Like it kind of felt dreamlike, like I was walking around in a dream. And it took some time for that, what you could call an expansion in consciousness to integrate into the system. And it's still integrating now. What happens is that the physical body is more dense and so it takes it some time to catch up with this understanding so we are we all carry in our physical emotional energetic bodies unprocessed energies and emotions from our whole life and as we open to this higher intelligence those energies come up to be processed to integrate and to release into this new understanding so that's an ongoing process, which seems to me like it's going to last a lifetime. It's like a kind of a purging, a cleansing, and an aligning with the, this higher truth. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And when your new abilities and your new perceptions started to come into your life, how did the people around you deal with this? Because I've heard from many other people like yourself, it can be jarring for people around you, family, friends, colleagues. How did you deal with that when that came along? Well, I felt really lucky actually because I had a really good support system around me. My yeah. partner understands these things and has the same interests. So he was a huge support for me to make me understand I'm not going crazy in those moments when I say, what's happening to me? Because there were some moments, you know? Of course. Um, and most of the people that I've been interacting with are, have shared the same interests, so it hasn't been too challenging. It, maybe for my parents, um, it's a little bit strange, and, but they're pretty cool and they say okay you, you you're doing that <laughs> exactly it's like it's like uh are you making can you make a living are you are you okay do you have a roof over your head yeah. uh, you're not hurting anybody fine have fun <laughs> <laughs> that's what parents do yeah <laughs> they just want to make sure you're okay um now you you talked a little bit about reality and about the different 
you know, you're being able to perceive different realities. Can you talk a little bit about how we create our own realities and what we can do to have more control of that? Mm. Yeah, that's a really great question. And probably the answer is not what people would expect. Mm. And I'm just speaking from my own experience. When we're able to totally and completely give up trying to control our reality and we surrender to the higher intelligence, which means to be fully present in the moment and to attune the attention to a stillness that's here, that's underlying forms. Now, it takes a bit of an adjustment to recognize that, especially if the attention's been focused constantly on thoughts and, and forms and um, externalities. So meditation can really help people to start to attune to a stillness. It's, it's quite challenging to put it into words, actually. So you can only really point people to it and they have to kind of look for it within themselves. And I often say to people, like, just notice the space between my words. When there's no thought, when there's no word, there's just this moment of pure being where I'm aware that I'm aware. Now, in that moment, the conceptual self is not getting in the way and it's like the the connection between me and all that is a divine intelligence is seamless then it's one and this divine intelligence is the most intelligent intelligence in existence it's much more intelligent than the limitations of our human mind so our human mind thinks it knows what's the best and it knows what would be best for me to experience he says i want that then i'll be happy i need that in my life how am i going to get it but if we can give up that and just be still which seems um, a bit counterintuitive to the way that we've been conditioned which is like you have to do things to get things but it's really the opposite it's a total letting go a total allowing a total surrender to this higher intelligence, whether you call it God or the universe or love, it doesn't matter what label you give it. It knows what's best for us. It knows what our hearts desire and it works in harmony with the whole of existence. So when we can surrender to that and live in a state of allowing, all that we need comes to us. We don't have to go chasing it anymore. So we start to live in a flow of divine synchronicity. But do we do we still need to do action, though? We can't just sit at our house, watch TV, eat chocolate bonbons, and expect what we need to happen to us to happen to us. We do still need to do some sort of action towards what we're trying to go, and then the universe kind of adjust and gives you the opportunities and presents things to you along your path but we still have to like get up and walk essentially is that is that correct absolutely yes if you yeah. just sit in your bedroom all day even if you're in meditation 
there's not going to be much happening on the manifest level of form. So it's a bit like a two-way inter interface where there's a, a total surrender to the higher intelligence and a moment-to-moment -moment living in presence. And also it's important to have the attention, including the experience the internal experience of the body because that's like our gps system mm. our emotions are not there by mistake they're communicating something to us so um when we're in touch with that when we're connected with our inner experience we start to open to an inner intuition and we can feel what is exciting for me and that excitement guides us now when we take action on it if it's the best thing for us, the intelligence of the universe brings opportunity, like you said, and then we can do whatever is required to move in that direction. So it's because I've this is something I've studied for many years in regards to finding following your dreams and your and your mission, what you want in life. You know, let's say it's to be an artist, or be a musician, or be a filmmaker, or to be a writer, whatever it is. Um, but I've noticed in my life that when I was in a job that I hated, I was miserable. I couldn't stand it. It's, you know, at, at first, then you, then your mind's like, but you're getting paid well. And, oh, you know, it's just deal with it. I mean, people would kill for a job like this. What are you, what are you complaining of? Because your mind is just trying to keep you to survive, but eventually you break either you get fired or you do something to get yourself fired or you quit or something along those lines, but something eventually pops. And that's happened multiple times in my life. But I, I understand what you're saying in regards to like, what are you feeling when you're doing what you're doing? Does it bring you joy? If it brings you joy, you're on the right path, regardless of success levels, because there's one thing to be a singer who sings at bars, let's say on the weekends, and then to be a multi-billion dollar music you know, star around the world, they both sing, but at different levels. But who's? But the point is, is what the enjoyment is. And then opportunities will present themselves along the path, depending on where you need to be. Because not all of us are going to get to the very top of whatever we're going after. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like a shift takes place where we're focusing from the mind and the mind's ideas, right. which are most of the time just a bunch of conditionings and confusions. Like you said, it's it's run a lot on fear. So I need the money for survival. It's really in survival mode. So when we make the shift from living um, like in a mind-based way to the heart center and connecting to the feelings, the heart will guide us and shows us like, oh, this is what's, this feels true. This feels exciting. This feels fun. This brings me joy. And if you're doing the thing that you love, you don't need $10 million because you're already happy. The If money comes, it's like a cherry on the cake, but you're already fulfilled because you're already connected to the creative expression that's in alignment for you. And isn't it funny that you say that because so many, especially in the West, think that money is the answer and that money will make you happy or physical things will make you happy. But at a certain point, how many houses, how many rooms in a house do you need? How many cars do you need? You know, at a certain point, you're just like, do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a comfortable place to cook some food? Do you have a comfortable place to to sleep at night? 
Are you happy where you like there's there's minimum things you need, obviously, to serve to live on the planet. You need a roof, hopefully, and things like that. But at a certain point, you don't need all of that. And why are we trying to do all that to make ourselves quote unquote happy? But then you see these yogis in India, or you see people, you know, I, I've seen homeless people who are happy and 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 then not happy that they're homeless, but just like I'm free. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And this is my definition of happiness. And I don't want to go anywhere else. And you can argue both sides of that coin, but there are people in this world that's like, I don't need more than what I have. You know, I'm I'm happy just sleeping in my truck and driving around the country and waking up at national parks. That makes me happy. Is that kind of the route that you're talking about? Yeah, most people have their perception backwards. So they think that I need to get something in order to feel happiness and fulfillment in my life. And we're conditioned that those things we need to get are a good job, security in our job, a, a nice relationship, our soulmate, get married, have kids, nice house, nice car, full package, so we kind of oriented in a in a chasing mode from a young age to tick all these boxes and many people get all the ticks and then okay i feel empty inside i don't feel fulfillment and that often can be a blessing in disguise because that recognition then can ignite a search for something deeper but if if someone realizes before chasing all those things that it's actually possible for me to know happiness and fulfillment without any of those things, then you really become sovereign being because you're not dependent on anything else. Because even if you get those things, then you're going to live in a state of fear that Maybe it's going to be taken away from me and then I need to hold on to it somehow. But if you're truly free, whatever comes can come in your life, whatever goes can go and your state of inner peace is not affected. And that's true freedom. That's lasting freedom. That's very Buddhist of you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's that attachment, uh, what Buddha said, it's like, you know, suffering is about attachment to other things outside of yourself. And when you release that attachment is when you're truly, truly free. And and it's, it's so, so true. There's very, there's barely anything physical in my life other than my, my family um, that I am attached to physically. If I lose it, I'm like, you know what? It's just, it's just stuff. And we'll, we'll, we'll find, we'll continue. We'll go on. It doesn't, um, it doesn't mean anything, but when you're able to detach like that, I think that is true, true um, freedom and happiness. But it's so interesting because the world's economies are focused on the opposite. If you don't buy, if you don't go after stuff, if you don't stuff, 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 it's all based around fear. Why, in your opinion, why are we so afraid of all of these things? Is it just conditioning um, over the course of our lifetimes that we are so afraid of you know, what What if I don't have a retirement fund? What if I don't have the perfect house or the perfect soulmate or the perfect job or, or have enough money or this or that? And what do you think? 
Oh, it's a, it's a big question. It's a very good question. And I don't know if there's just like one clear cut answer to that, but if we look back at our history and how we've evolved as a species, then I think the answer partially lies in the way that our society has developed through the different ages and the society that we have created. Um, and it seems to me like it's in constant evolution. It seems like right now, actually, we're going through a phase where a lot of people are beginning to recognize like, oh, we've come to this point where we had all this industry and um, our, our finances have become, and our economy has become so strong and important, but hey, look, we're destroying the water. We, our, our fish are dying. Maybe there's a better way. So we're actually, it seems to me like we're going through a shift, a collective shift in consciousness, which hopefully will be in time before we self-destruct our own planet and our own home. And, and our society will evolve into, give space for some, something new to be born, something that's more in alignment with higher consciousness, with mm, that supports nature, that supports us all to live in a way where we're more unified and not more seeing what can I get for me? How can I survive? But how can we work together as a team, as a species, as planet Earth to make this heaven on Earth for everybody? And that's a shift in perception that takes place when we start to open up to the reality that actually everybody that I meet underlying their physical form, underlying their personality is consciousness. And that consciousness is the same consciousness. It's me. So when I see you and me, I... I can't hurt you. I can't harm you. I want the best for you. So it changes the way that we relate to people because I'm no longer competing against you or seeing you as my enemy. I want the best for you. So I'm is not that, sure if that, answers you know, that, that no, that definitely, that definitely started the answer to the question. It's, it's, it's a very big question. It's a very big it question, is. but it's, but it is a beautiful, it was very articulately said. Um, but do you think that that's what's happening right now? Cause we are going through a major uprising right now and shift in, you know, with the environment, with politics, with the pandemic, with everything that happens. I mean, it seems like, you know, we're being more separated. There's more violence and war and things are just starting to kind of bubble up. Is this that kind of birthing part of our new, hopefully coming out to something new and different than what we had before? Because it's kind of like the the old systems are fighting to stay in power, and they're 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 just they're angry and they're fight, and it's just creating all this kind of havoc and chaos. And hopefully, out of that comes this new higher consciousness evolution that we are talking about. Yeah. And I think it's quite possible. There's no, ultimately, there's no way for us to know how the future is going to unfold. Um, but a lot of people actually experience this on a personal level when they experience uh, an awakening to higher consciousness. 
initially it can seem like life's falling apart and often they'll find that their job's not working anymore and they quit the job and the relationship they're in just doesn't feel right anymore and the relationship will go or they might have a huge crisis like lose all their money lose their house something happens and initially it seems like it's a bad thing this is the worst thing and out of that challenge that struggle that collapse many times it creates a space for something new to birth through so it's quite possible that on the collective level we're experiencing something like that and I think COVID was a, a very interesting time where it forced people to stay home and maybe reflect more on their lives like oh what do I want to do in my life am I happy um, and ask some of these bigger questions so if we have the right eyes to see whatever challenge life presents us with, we, we can always find a gift or something in that challenge that's there to support our growth and our evolution, even if initially it seems like it's a negative thing that's happening, because ultimately this higher consciousness is always supporting us. Now, you also mentioned a little earlier about intuition. Is intuition that inner guidance that you were talking about before that it's kind of someone, on you know, the your spirit guides or the universe or whatever you want to label it, is trying to guide you, kind of push you in the right direction? Is that what intuition is or the I have a gut feeling about that? Is that kind of what that is? Yeah, it's kind of like how you described it, like this gut feeling, this like a, a knowing and the more that we can become quiet inside, the easier it is to hear that inner guidance and that intuition. When there's a lot of noise from thoughts and mind, it, it masks that feeling because the heart speaks in a soft whisper. It's, it's a gentle feeling, that guidance. And the mind is really noisy and it dominant. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And while we're investing all our attention in what the mind is saying, which most of the time is actually not helpful and it's not useful, even the opposite, it's, it's a hindrance to us. It, Maybe we, we are connected with our heart's desire, some guidance, and we want to do a project or make something or express ourselves. And the mind comes in and it says, oh, but people would judge me. Or maybe I, I'll fail. I better not try. And when we listen to that, then we don't take action on what the heart's saying. So it holds us back in life. So in order to make this shift from mind to heart we have to become aware of the quiet we have to practice staying keeping our attention focused not in the stream of constant thought that inner voice that's judging that's criticizing that's comparing first of all to recognize that that voice is there many people aren't even aware there's this voice in their head that talks non-stop and it creates their own suffering when they believe in what it's saying. When you become aware of that voice, and you, then you can ask, okay, well, what's aware of it? What's noticing these thoughts? 
then a, a shifting consciousness begins to take place because you're becoming aware of the deeper essence of who you are and those thoughts then when you stop feeding them with your attention become quieter and then you shift and focus your attention on the stillness underlying the thoughts or between the thoughts it's always here and in that stillness you begin to feel what the heart is communicating and Sometimes it will come as like a spontaneous idea or an intuition. And people will often ask, like, how do I know if this feeling is coming from my mind or my heart? How can I discern that? Mm -hmm. So it's if you're not sure, it's good to sit with the feeling, give it some space and time, not be impulsive, and see if that feeling is there the next day, the next week, next month. And if it's there, then it's like building energy inside. Something wants to express through you. Something wants to create through you. And you become a channel, a vehicle for that expression of the higher consciousness because you're connected to that intelligence now when the mind's not in the way. So speaking of the mind, that that monkey mind, as they call it, that's this constant chatter and fear and everything, but... The thing that the mind even does even more so that's so treacherous in many ways is tells us stories about ourselves, about what we're capable of doing, these negative stories that don't serve us. And we live lives, full lifetimes, with these stories that we're programmed with as, as children or something traumatic happens to us as uh, you know teenagers or young adults or even just adults that program us as like, oh, you're not worth you're not worthy of love. You're not smart enough. You're not capable. You're not this. How can we begin to reprogram it? Is it is it as simple as meditating and becoming more quiet and allowing the heart to guide us more, the inner voice to guide us more? The Not the inner voice of the mind, but the inner voice of the soul guide us more. Is that what we need to do? Or what do you think? Yeah, most, it's a great question. Most people, when they hear this, then start to see the mind as an enemy. Uh, I need to get rid of that now. How am I going to eliminate the mind, stop right. the thoughts? Right. But actually, you can't do that. It's much easier just to recognize it for what it is and to become aware that there's this phenomena here that we call the mind, which is comprised of conditionings, like you said, these programmings that we receive from a young age. And to begin to inquire, what is it that's aware of the mind activity? That's the line of questioning that can create a shift in the focus of your attention from identification with the mind. So the mind centers around the story right? And the story is about this I. I am not good enough. Or it, it either takes one polarity or the other usually. So it, it identifies a, a positive polarity or a negative one. So I'm amazing. I'm the best. I get a great sense of self from my amazing body or my money. It seeks something to invest its worth in, its value, or a negative one. Um, 
like you said, I'm not good enough. People don't like me. I'm a failure. My life's a mess. And it starts to tell stories centered around this I. Now, if you investigate and look, you can't actually find this I. It doesn't exist. The only thing that you will find is thoughts. But something is here that's aware of these thoughts. So that's where we have to investigate what is that that's aware of the thoughts. Then we can watch the thought and we see the thought comes and it goes. Now, if I don't believe what it's saying, if I don't identify as the I in a mind story, then who am I? Who am I without all those stories, whether they're positive or negative? What if I didn't have any story at all? Now, this can bring up a big fear in people initially mm. because that threatens the ego's existence and its greatest fear is death. So a lot of people don't actually really want to look at this. This is an investigation that's not a mental investigation. It's something that has to be looked at for direct experience, one's own experience. So we can imagine a good little exercise for this practice is imagine you've been born right now and you haven't been given a name, you haven't been given a nationality, you haven't been given a religion, you haven't been given a label. You have, nobody's told you you're amazing or you're terrible. You have worth, you don't have worth, you're lovable, you're unlovable. Nobody's told you anything. You just come into this world and you're perceiving. So images are being seen, but you don't even have any language to name any objects. You're just looking with wonder like a baby does. I don't know that that's a tree. It's something that's perceived. Sounds are perceived. And this can take us closer to this direct experience that I'm, I'm aware. And in that recognition, there's already peace here. There's already fulfillment here. And it's not even required then to try to get rid of any negative thoughts because the moment they're seen, it's seen, oh, that's the mind, it's not me. I'm not that, I'm that which is aware without any story, without any limitation, without any problems. If, if we don't believe in the stories, there's no problem. The problems instantly all disappear because I'm just here aware and everything's perfect as it is. Now, the thoughts that then begin to come through from that understanding are aligned with the recognition of oneself as awareness. So there's a natural understanding that everything in existence, by the pure fact that it exists, has inherent worth. There's no question whether I have worth or not, because I no longer am a conceptual idea of who I am. I am consciousness itself and that's the new identification now what happens sometimes is the mind then wants to take on a new identity a new character and the mind says okay now i am consciousness 
and starts speaking about that, this is not it. It's, it's deeper than that. <laughs> I think that what you're saying is so powerful because to ask yourself the question, who am I without the positive and negative stories that I believe in about myself? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And if I remove all of those stories from my awareness, if you will, or my belief system, and then if you're like, well, if I don't believe who I am, then who am I? And it becomes this much, as I'm saying it, my mind is already going, whoa, 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 calm down. And the egos, <laughs> and the ego, my own ego is going, no, 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 shh, quiet, shh, shh. ignore what she's talking about. Move over. The other <laughs> I, I can, as I'm saying it out loud, I can literally feel, I can literally feel it uh, happen. All right, we're going. Okay. So like I was saying, uh, it is a, it's such a really important question about who are we if we do not believe in the negative or positive stories that we tell ourselves. And as I was saying that out loud, my ego and my mind are stopping and saying, no, no, stop, stop, ignore what she says, nothing to see here, move along, <laughs> kind of kind of attitude. And it's, it's a powerful question. And hopefully everyone listening could just ask that question of themselves, who am I? without the stories that negative or positive that I tell myself. And which brings me to my next question to you. We've spoken about consciousness so much. What exactly is your definition of consciousness? Um, consciousness ultimately is a, a label that we use to describe something that cannot be described because any definition of it limits what it actually is so the only way that it can truly be understood is through direct experience direct recognition of it so it it can words can only in a limiting way describe it so it's important that people bear that in mind um but if words were to be used to describe it then um maybe it can be summed up as the intelligent the formless limitless intelligence which animates all forms that which is here prior to any experience prior to any thought that which never moves that which never changes that which was never born and that which will never die it's a good it's a good definition of it um now i've heard you know I've, I've studied over the years from ancient texts in regards to reincarnation and why we're why our, our souls keep coming back uh i'd love to hear your thoughts of why you believe that we incarnate to this world and why we what we're doing here what's the purpose of all of this small question what is the purpose of life just a small <laughs> It's just a, just a small little question. I just thought I'd throw it out there to see what you think. <laughs> what is the purpose of life? This question can be answered from two perspectives. It can be answered from the perspective of the absolute, 
which would mean that there is no purpose, there is no meaning, everything just is as it is, everything is divine perfection as it is, there's nowhere to get to, there's nothing to change, there's nothing to fix, there's nothing to heal, there's nothing to become, everything just is. And if the question is answered from the perspective of the relative, then we could say as a limited human expression, oh, the purpose is to explore certain themes throughout our life. And um, people, when they start to look at patterns that have played out in their life, they become aware that, ah, oh, actually I'm experiencing something that's happening again and again in different ways. Maybe it's around the, the theme of self-worth. Maybe it's around the theme of abandonment. Um, maybe it's around something in relationships. And we experience challenges coming in our life and these challenges will give us opportunity to explore that theme, whatever it is for each unique individual, and to use the challenge as a way to become more conscious, as a way to grow, um, to expand, to transcend patterns and unconscious beliefs, to bring more consciousness into the system and ultimately to recognize one's true nature as pure consciousness itself. And is that a way to connect with our own higher selves, with our own souls while we're here in this life? Well, really, it's not necessary to connect with your higher self if you inquire into the nature of who you are. Because why do you need the middleman when you can go straight to the divine? You can connect straight to source, God, and mm -hmm. recognize yourself as not separate from that, as an extension of that. So it depends what you mean as a higher self. People have different definitions of it. But for me, I would say the higher self is more like... Um, being open to a higher intelligence, which is connected to the source intelligence. Right. And it's just so it's, it's fascinating that we're so afraid as, as generally as people that we can't conceive that we are one with God. We are one with source or one with the universe where, you know, it's been said throughout the millennia. I mean, even Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. Everything I do, you can do. and You'll even do greater things than I. These concepts are so difficult for our own, well, for some egos. <laughs> Many other egos can say, yes, of course, I'm God. But um, but other, but we, we have a problem with that. And that concept is so difficult. Again, that is the programming that we, especially in the West, have come up with. And that's why it's so difficult for us to overcome this idea that we are not, not a separate, but we are, we are currently connected. We are currently one with God, one with source. It's such a difficult concept to, 
to grab onto. Can you kind of explain it a little bit so we maybe have a better understanding of that idea? Yes. Yeah. To really understand it, it's only possible when you can transcend the limitations of the conceptual mind because this recognition lies beyond the mind and the mind can't understand that which lies beyond it. It's it's not within its grasp. So we have to understand and recognize the mind in order to see that I am not the mind. There's something here that is beyond thoughts. Now, I am also aware of the experience of the body. So there's something here that's beyond the body. And the attention must be drawn back into that which is aware. Or the other way is to turn the attention around to look at that which is aware. And the, the best analogy, I think, is the analogy of the sun. If you imagine the sun like source energy or God, and each sunlight, each ray emanates out of the sun. Now, if you imagine that you are that light of sun and you're looking outwards like a flashlight and everything your attention focuses on, it's like the flashlight shining on that. So you see the house, the tree, another person. Now, if you ask this flashlight, who or what are you? And it's looking, ah, oh, I am that, that I see I'm that out there, I'm that out there. It can never know what it is. In order for this flashlight or this ray of this beam of light from the sun to understand what it is, it would actually have to draw itself right back into the sun to become one with the sun, or it would have to completely turn around, turn its attention away from those forms with the attention has been focused on. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Then it will see its own nature as that light. So we have to shift the focus of attention and stop engaging with the thoughts which are so dominant for most people. Now, most people, when they get a glimpse of this, this feeling of connection, this feeling of sense of something divine that's here, this unspeakable, unnameable beingness, pure presence, pure consciousness that's there in those moments of stillness. And a feeling that wow, there, there is no separation. Every, there's no beginning or end to this. It's not, it's not confined to the limitation of this physical body. In fact, this physical body is an appearance in this. Then often what will happen is the mind will jump in with its story about worth. Well, I cannot be God. I'm not good enough for that. Uh, that would be arrogant to say, I am God. How can I make such a claim? Even though Jesus himself was trying to explain this, I am the son of God. I'm an extension of this source energy. And that's what we all are. So 
of course, when that happens, then we have to see that that is another expression of the mind that's resisting, that's holding back this shift in identity that takes place, which is not an arrogance. It's a, it's actually incredibly humbling to recognize, well, I, I just am, and there is only me. And when you understand what you're saying, you not only understand that you are one with God, but then that we all are. Yes. And then then you start looking at everybody differently, which is what you said originally at the beginning of our conversation. It's like, I don't want to hurt you because you are me and yes. I am you and we are all connected. And that's why it feels so good to help others. Like literally, chemically, in our mind, we're programmed to help, to love, to be of service. That is where we get m much more joy than buying a new television or a new car which gives you a small bit of enjoyment for a second, most people. And then a week or two down the line, you're like, eh, what's the next thing? And the next day, it's this vicious, this vicious rat race that you're constantly in. And, and by the time you figure it out, you're like, oh, I'm 85 now and I can't do anything. And what, what, what a waste of my life. Yes. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to someone like, you know, to the other extreme, Mother Teresa, who was completely selfless and gave of herself throughout her life. You know, and many people will look at her and go, oh, she wasn't really successful. I go, but I look at her and go, well, she seemed pretty successful to me. Mm -hmm. and, and and what she did, would that pretty fair? Yeah, and you think it depends on how you measure success. So What's if your you definition? measure success in terms of material gain, and recognition from others or do you measure success from your inner state of peace and happiness and i think anybody that really asks that question honestly can only come to the conclusion that success is measured by my inner state of peace and happiness because no matter what we get if if that's not there then you feel empty where do you think humanity is going Another small question, just another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really don't know. It looks right now like there. it seems to be like there's a kind of a split because on the one hand, there seems to be a huge um, opening in in the collective consciousness where more and more people are interested in yoga they're interested in meditation they're interested in um, spiritual practices and, and these things are becoming much more mainstream where not very long ago they were seen as like woo-woo things mm -hmm. so it's clear that that's happening on the one hand and yet on the other hand it seems like there is a lot of division and conflict and disagreement and wars so I, I don't know which way it's going to go and uh, whatever will be, will be ultimately the, the universe is, is in charge of this. And of course, my preference would be that there is a huge shift in consciousness and we all come to live in unconditional love and create heaven on earth. And it's possible. It's a choice. It's a choice that we, as 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 a species, has to have to make. But uh, 
you're absolutely right. And I've said it so many times on the show before is like things, even in the short 15 years, 20 years, things that we used to be completely woo woo are absolutely mainstream and necessary now. Even huge companies have like, go take 20 minutes to meditate, go to, uh, you know, to go relax, go do your spiritual practice. Like it, it, these things were never even conceived of before. It was completely woo woo, things that you would see in the, in the outskirts. And now it's become made, even shows like this 15 years ago would have been really, really out there uh, where now more and more people are searching. And that's where I feel the hope is that people are searching. There's more people looking, more people asking those dark, those deep questions about who am I? What do I believe in? What do I, what makes me happy? These, these are the questions I think the pandemic kind of shook the world. It's almost like a, if, I'm not sure if you're old enough to remember what an Etch-A-Sketch is, that oh, toy, yeah. the, the yeah, old, yeah, the, yeah. You, you know, you draw it and then you shake it and then it starts again. Yeah. The COVID was a giant Etch-A-Sketch shake to the world. And everyone's like, wait a minute, I'm, what was there is not there anymore. And like, I mean, if you would have told me that the entire planet was going to literally shut down for months, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy, but that's exactly what happened. So it's an unheard of thing that happened. And I think the internet's also playing a big part in this shift because um, we have so much access now, our fingertips to information that before we didn't have access to. So like if you were interested in spiritual awakening, you, you might have to try to travel to india and find some right guru in a cave somewhere now you just turn on youtube and we have these incredible teachings at our fingertips and um it, it's hard to keep secrets now because the internet's just bringing everything out into the open into the light very, so very... as much as bad as it brings it also connects us all Mm -hmm. I mean, with like every great tool, it could be used to create or it can be used to destroy. And that's exactly, exactly what the internet's doing. Hopefully here today, we're doing a little bit of creation, a little bit of positive into the world, which is why I do what I do on my show. And I know that's what you, why you do what you do uh, in your world as well. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests, okay. what is your definition of living a good life? Good life. A good life is a life where you feel inner peace and contentment where you have a clear understanding of what brings you joy in on the level of form so what your create unique creative expression and gift is and and the fact that you are aligned with that and you're living that that really brings so much happiness when you're doing that for your work for your life not because you want to get money but because that's what you love to do so every morning you don't wake up like oh no how many days to the weekend you wake up excited to live that day excited to live your purpose and when you begin to become more conscious and don't identify so much with the conceptual self then this higher consciousness has a positive impact on every aspect of life from relationships which become more loving and more open and 
friendships, family relationships, there's just less drama because it's not necessary anymore. And so there's more peace and happiness all around. And there's a natural desire then to share that with the world when one's own cup is filled up. It naturally begins to overflow to those around us. We want to share this joy for life, this love for life, this appreciation for life, this gratitude. Now, what is your definition of God? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. God is you. God is me. God is everything that can be perceived and is the perceiver of all that is perceived. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? They can visit my website, which is louisegay.net. And they can also connect with me on social media. I'm on YouTube. They can see videos and subscribe. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And uh, I also, every Sunday, I hold an open Zoom meeting. So it's by donation and everyone's welcome. And I do a 30-minute guided meditation. And then an hour and a half opportunity for people to ask questions. So that's really wonderful opportunity to come together with the like-minded people and explore more of what we've been exploring today. So everyone's welcome if they're interested. Louise, I did notice that when you were answering some of the questions, you almost sat and waited to kind of channel an answer. And I noticed that in the way you spoke was a little bit different than your, you were speaking as you, but just says something a little bit different about it, but it's not channeling as you were channeling prior with Akon, but it was just something different. Is that, did I misread that or was that actually what kind of happened? Uh, no, you didn't misread it. In a way, it's a form of channeling. And um, when I'm becoming still, I'm taking a moment to connect to that stillness, that underlying stillness, that presence and give space for whatever information wants to come through so that it's not coming from the mind, it's coming from the higher intelligence. So it can look a little bit strange sometimes to take that space, but it's something I would invite people to start practicing in their life. Before you say something, just take a moment to become present and then you'll start to recognize like, Oh, I was about to judge someone. I was about to um, criticize. I was about to say something negative. I don't need to put that energy out into the world. I can keep quiet and and just let. And then we start to notice what is coming through if it's in alignment with this higher intelligence. And for some people, that what comes through will come through in a form of playing basketball or a sport or playing music. It's kind of a channeling that intelligence or a painting or drawing. So if you want to connect to this higher intelligence and you become present and become still, become quiet, you don't know what's going to come for you, but there you are all, everybody is a unique expression that is here to be a vehicle for this divinity, however it wants to flow and channel through them. Thank you so much. And and what is, and do you have a message that you would like to leave us with? Um, I think the message would be 
what we spoke about today, what we touched on, which is to invite people to inquire deep within, uh, reflect upon this question, who am I? Who am I beyond thoughts? Who am I beyond form in the physical body? What is it that is here now aware, aware that I'm aware? It has been an honor and privilege talking to you today. It is, it's just been a beautiful, beautiful conversation. And I truly hope it helps uh, everyone out there who listens to it. Thank you so much for being on the show and for doing what you do in the world. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Alex. I really appreciate you. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. I want to thank Louise so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 152. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.